Welcome to Betrayal Trauma Recovery. This is Anne. Last week, I spoke with Malia Stevens, who is on the board of the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. We're going to continue that conversation today, but if you didn't hear part one, please go back to last week, listen to that first, and then join us here. This episode was recorded before the summit that was in July. So when you hear us talking about that, know that that's still available online through Nicosi. And you can find those links on the articles associated with this podcast on our website. You go to btr.org, click on education, and then go to podcast. Before we get to today's conversation, I want to just give a shout out to all of our members of Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group. It's an amazing online community where women have access to unlimited live support with our trained and certified betrayal trauma coaches and also a community of women who are going through it. It is amazing. When you join Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group, you get unlimited support. Like I said, there are multiple sessions a day in every single time zone across the globe. But we designed it like this long before the coronavirus outbreak. We designed it so that women don't have to find childcare, so they don't have to set an appointment. Because abuse episodes can happen at any time. You can find out about porn at any time, you can be lied to at any time, and you need to get in right away to someone who understands it immediately. And Betrayal Trauma Recovery Group provides that for women. We've all been through it, we totally get it, and we built this for women just like us. Go to our website, btr.org, click on Join the Support Group to see our daily session schedule. We'd love to see you in a session today. And now for my continued conversation with Malia. I often say, if you're an alcoholic, you abuse alcohol. If you're a drug addict, you abuse drugs. If you're a porn addict or a sex addict, you abuse people. Right. It's an abuse issue. It's going to be an abuse issue. It's it's not a moral issue, although it is. It's definitely a moral issue. But the issue at hand is abuse. It is. It's abuse. It's justice. It's a health issue. And, you know, people don't understand because good people get hijacked by internet pornography, by hardcore pornography of today very quickly. And I have so many people that come to therapy, women included. The women tend to have more tangible shame oftentimes where, you know, men are shamed too, but women will often come in very distraught. They're like, I don't know why I'm pursuing this material. It controls me. I'm doing these things I never thought I would do. And this may have happened over the course of weeks or months that they find themselves very quickly escalating into fetish behavior and destructive things that are consuming their thought life and their time and their energy and their behavior. And on the other end of that, if for their family members, let's say their children, what the children are experiencing while they're going down that road is neglect, a lack of empathy, a lack of understanding, whatever, to that child or to their family members, what that constitutes is abuse. To the addict, they are in the addict cycle, but what happens with their loved ones is that they end up being in the abuse cycle. They experience it as abuse. They do. So often when couples first come in, let's say the husband's been addicted to pornography for a long time, the wife is frazzled mess, crying, distraught, at her wit's end. If she's come to the place where she has enough strength to say, enough, I can't do this anymore, usually she doesn't know what to do. And she's carrying all the anxiety for the relationship because her husband is married to this behavior, this other thing. 
and she's neglected, she's abandoned, and she's continually getting the message of you're not enough, you're not attractive, you're not wanted. So she's carrying the psychological abuse, the emotional abuse, if not verbal abuse oftentimes too. And the husband, because he's normalized it so much, does not understand oftentimes he can't even begin to see how he's affecting his wife at that point. He has to go through recovery to begin to even have empathy to restore trust and to heal. And I'm sure you're very familiar with that whole cycle, but very devastating because it's a long road and it is a very abusive dynamic all around. And the effect to children, like you're mentioning, so many cases come in and nowadays you're already seeing a lot of kids whose parents were addicted to pornography and the effects of that in the young adult population and how it affected their self-esteem and the messages they got from their parents. And it's a lot to clean up and to heal from. It is. It is. And that's what makes it a public health crisis. Speaking of the public health crisis, what do you hope will be gained through your state's formal resolution identifying pornography as a public health crisis? I hope that we have broad-based recognition, understanding, awareness of the harms of pornography to the body, the brain, relationships, and society at large. And that has become much more broad-spread in Alabama where we're making gains. And I want it to impact our schools. We're hoping to be able to tag on to some education programs that are going into the schools around child sexual abuse and child trafficking prevention. We want to do some some early prevention in the schools. We want to better enforce our existing laws, our state and county laws that a lot of them are not being enforced and they're not, you know, we're leaving citizens vulnerable. There's a myriad of things we want to do with trafficking initiatives as well, just to continue to raise awareness and to mobilize citizens to begin to raise their voice and take a stand to upend and uproot all forms of sexual exploitation, but especially, like you said before, the beginning point, which is pornography. Our listeners are the majority, I'd say 99.9% of the people who listen to this podcast are women who are victims of this type of abuse in their home. So their husband is a user of pornography or ex-husband and has used it and they have been abused through that experience. So they are really, really motivated on this issue. So speaking to that, what would you encourage the listeners of this podcast to do in their respective states to acknowledge pornography as a public health crisis? Or in what ways could they become involved on a legislative level or maybe a more advocacy level? And before you answer this, I do want to say to women listening, it's essential that before you go out and try to do something in the world, that you make sure that your own home is a haven of safety for you. A lot of women, when this happens to them, they feel sort of powerless in their own home because they're experiencing this type of emotional and psychological abuse and they're scared and they're not sure how they could make a living or whatever. And so rather than making sure that they are emotionally and psychologically, sexually, physically safe in their own home, they go out and try to conquer pornography, you know, outside the home first. And I want to say, don't do that. You need to make sure that you are safe first. That is your top priority. And if you make sure your home is safe, then you have basically liberated 
at least yourself and your children in your own home from this type of sexual exploitation. That is your number one job. Amen. Do that first. And then number two, then if you're like, hey, I want to be like Anne and start a podcast or, you know, like go write some legislation or whatever it is you want to do or like Malia, what would you say if they're ready for that second stage of advocacy? Well, I would 100% agree with you about taking care of their own mental health and emotional and spiritual health first and the health and well-being of the family and stabilizing that. That's the most powerful thing they can do. But then to continue to transform their pain into effective activism, being an agent for change is a wonderful next step. And there's a lot of things they can do, but if they are interested in promoting the resolution to declare pornography a public health crisis in their state. It's passed in 15 states so far, but if theirs is one of the states that has not been passed yet and they'd like to promote that, I would urge them to reach out to the National Center on Sexual Exploitation to read the website, the portions that talk about the public health crisis, to familiarize themselves with the facts, and and then if they really do have that level of motivation, because it does take a good bit of consistent energy and focus to work with legislators, um, it is well worth it. And it's a wonderful process, but I would encourage them to look at that. We worked alongside many other local leaders, such as Eagle Forum was very helpful. Their anti-trafficking groups were very, very helpful. We worked across the aisle. It's a bipartisan issue. You know, it passed unanimously in our Senate, but I learned a lot through the process. I would encourage them to consider that. There are so many ways to get involved in terms of raising awareness in the schools. We really need people to raise awareness, whether it's in their schools or their church. There's a wonderful user-friendly presentation that people can do even in their own home if they want to raise awareness among other moms and dads at protectyoungminds.org. They have a great presentation that's packaged very nice that could be used to help spread awareness and to start dialogue. But the churches, the schools, they need our voices desperately. Nikosi has some amazing initiatives that you can join. If you join their newsletter, Nikosi is the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. Their website is endsexualexploitation.org. Last year, I spoke at the summit. I've been to the summit twice and had a really good experience there. They have lots of initiatives that you can join. You can join their Dirty Dozen list. Sometimes they're asking for people to do signatures or other things. I think that's a good place to start. And also, the information you were talking about with Protect Young Minds, who is partner that we are good friends. I've had Kristen Jensen on the podcast several times. So I think that like getting educated about the different ways to protect, like protecting minds focuses on kids. We focus on wives of users, right? The cool thing is all of us are really focused on our particular audience, but together we make such a strong team. And that's what's really exciting about this movement to end sexual exploitation. Yes, I would encourage your listeners to consider joining our summit this summer. We have a virtual summit and it's going to be fantastic in July. So if they wanted to join us to learn more that way. And as you mentioned, just to clarify, it is in sexualexploitation.org forward slash action center if they want to join the newsletters and the petitions, if they want to sign petitions. Right. 
I will be speaking at that summit this summer. So I spoke last summer. I'm in the virtual summit this year. So for those of you who'd like to hear my presentation, I will be there. But there's also a lot of amazing other people that you can get to know and become involved with joining that summit. So I'd highly recommend that for everybody. As you conclude, you mentioned Pornhub, right, which is our arch nemesis in many ways. Um, there is a current initiative to shut down Pornhub. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yes, there's an initiative by Layla Micklewaite with Exodus Cry. She's their abolition strategist, and she started a movement called TraffickingHub.com is the website. It's basically raising awareness about trafficking within the pornography industry and many of the cases that have been exposed recently, and they're gaining a tremendous amount of steam. They've had over a million signatures, and we would love for your audience to join on to that and help us shut down Pornhub. Wouldn't that be a miracle? Yes. You know, so many of the women in our community are praying for a miracle, right? They're praying that their husband can be a more or less raised from the dead like Lazarus because they're just spiritually dead. Their affect is flat. They don't have compassion. They don't have empathy. And their behavior is putting the entire family at risk, which is very scary. So, so many of these women are praying for a miracle. And I don't know what those miracles are going to look like, but I can tell you that shutting down Pornhub would be part of that collective prayer that so many women are saying. They're saying it for their own homes and for their own husbands and their own families. But I do want them to recognize that there is this bigger effort out there and their participation and that their prayers and their hopes, they are collectively working just very slowly, more slowly than we would like. And that sometimes, even if in your own home, like with so many of the victims that I know about, it ended in divorce, which was very unfortunate, and they're still being abused. They're experiencing post-divorce abuse. So there's no end in sight for their psychological or emotional abuse situation, which is so unfortunate, especially when they share kids with that user. But there is a movement, and if you can't see it in your own life, sometimes it helps to take a step back. And to be able to observe the miracles that are happening overall and know that you haven't been forgotten and that there is a movement toward this and you can be part of this movement. And sometimes that makes the pain and all of the hard heartache that a victim has gone through, it gives them a little bit of hope that there's a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel. It is. It's very encouraging. It's gratifying. It gives purpose and especially coming to events like the summit where you're surrounded by light-minded warriors that get it and that are seeing change. It builds hope and momentum. And just in addition to shutting down Pornhub being a dream come true, the dream that I have is that the Department of Justice would reactivate the obscenity section of the DOJ and enforce our existing federal obscenity laws, because if they did that, in full force as they used to do. There would not be pornography on the internet. It wouldn't be on cable or satellite or in the mail because all those things are illegal. It would be put back in the place of very restricted category of softcore porn at only permissible adult bookstores that were hard to get to and all that, you know, how it was in, in the past are closer to that if we enforced existing laws. And that is possible, but we have to have our attorney general just 
turn his attention towards it. So that is one of my consistent prayers is that whether it's Attorney General Barr or whoever we have next, that very soon we'll have someone who's fearless and will reactivate that section that's been lying dormant. Absolutely. That's another good thing to pray for. So as if you didn't have enough things to pray for, listeners, you guys are like, the prayers we're praying aren't coming true. We are sick of praying. We've been praying our guts out. So take a break from praying for a second. Watch some Netflix that has no porn in it. And then say another prayer, right? Pray without ceasing. Right. Pray without ceasing some more. It's being heard. God is moving. (laughs) I love that. I'm always like, you can take a little break from the praying without. Yeah, you have to. You have to. I think God understands that for sure. Malia, thank you so much for being on today's episode. We appreciate your time. My pleasure and honor. Thank you, Anne. I want to thank everyone who has rated Trauma Mama Husband Drama, my new book. It's available on Amazon. There's a Kindle version and a paperback version. I want to also thank all of you for your patience with the rollout of the book. I'd never rolled out a book before, and I just made all kinds of mistakes. And yeah, it's... It was sort of a disaster, actually. So I'd really appreciate your help getting the word out. The idea was like we'd launch it big and make all these things happen. And it was kind of a fail. Uh, We didn't really get it as far and wide as we wanted to get it. So if you have purchased the book and you liked it, will you please go to Amazon and rate it? The more ratings it gets, the more women will be able to see it because that's sort of how the Amazon algorithm works. The more ratings it has, the more five-star ratings it has, then the more it comes up in search when women are searching for books like this. So every single rating that you put on Amazon helps isolated women find this book. I'm so grateful for those of you who have done that and those of you who have purchased the book. If you can't find it on Amazon, you're like, where is this thing? Just go to our books page, btr.org backslash books. It'll be right there. Just click on that and it'll take you right to the Amazon page. And until next week, stay safe out there.